The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Welcome to Life Matters. I'm Brendan O'Connell, your host. It's been a while since we've been on television. I've been scouring America to come up with great guests for you. And today we have a very special one, Mark Lee Dixon of East Texas. And he serves as the director of the Right to Life of East Texas and the founder of Sanctuary Cities for the Unborn Initiative. Mark Lee Dixon is a God-fearing Texas-born and raised pro-life activist who fights for the rights of all human beings from conception till natural death. Mr. Dixon and his pro-life activism seeking to defend the lives of the unborn and those who are medically vulnerable in hospitals has been featured in various news outlets across the world. Mr. Dixon is perhaps best known for leading 67 cities and two counties across the United States in passing of enforceable ordinances outlawing abortion within their city limits. According to the Washington Times, Dixon may also be the first to have been sued in a defamation lawsuit by the abortion industry for calling abortion murder. In February of 2023, the Supreme Court of Texas sided in Mr. Dixon's favor. Dixon was also the non-government actor named as defendant in the federal lawsuit regarding the Texas Heartbeat Act, which was heard before the Supreme Court of the United States. And in December 2021, all nine justices agreed the case against Mr. Dixon should be dismissed. Well, I could go on and on, but uh, I'd like to welcome Mark Lee Dixon. Great to be here. Mark, uh, how did you get involved with the pro-life movement? Well, it all started growing up. I would go to the Gregg County Fair with my parents, and we would look for my grandfather's table. He was a director with the Right to Life of East Texas, and he was either working there, he'd work at the Gregg County Republican uh, table, or he was the party chair. But what I remember most is when I got to the Right to Life table, he had the fetal models, and I remember at a very young age holding those fetal models and just astounded at the fact that there are people out there that would end the life of small, innocent children such as those. After my grandfather passed away of cancer, I wanted to get involved in something that he was involved in, and so I got involved in Right to Life East Texas became a director, and have been fighting for life ever since. How did you come up with the idea of going after uh, towns and cities to be uh, pro-life sanctuary cities and towns? 
Well, I was spending a lot of time outside of an abortion facility in Shreveport, Louisiana, and I heard about at one time that abortion facility was looking at crossing the border and going to a little place called Wasson, Texas. And that was 18 miles from Shreveport, Louisiana. There was rumors at play of that abortion facility shutting down, and they already had blueprints to go across the border to Texas, to Wascom specifically, if abortion was ever shut down in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And so I was wrestling with that idea of an abortion facility coming to Wascom, and I ended up just kind of dawned on me that if an abortion facility moved to Wascom, it wouldn't have been Texas Capitol's problem at the city of Austin. It wouldn't be Washington, D.C.'s problem, our nation's capital, but it would be Wascom's problem. Mm-hmm. And so reached out to the mayor, Mayor Jesse Moore, and he asked me what he could do, and I encouraged him to pass an ordinance outlawing abortion within the city limits. He asked me to expedite him that ordinance, came up with that ordinance, and having that ordinance in my hand, I just didn't feel comfortable giving him that ordinance because I knew that if they were to pass this ordinance, there would likely be a lawsuit filed by the abortion industry, and so I wanted to be smart about this. Um, reached out to my senator, Senator Brian Hughes, while I was at Chick-fil-A one night grabbing a a bite to eat. And he ended up uh, introducing me over the phone to Jonathan F. Mitchell, who's a law clerk for Justice Scalia. He's been quoted in court opinions by Leto and Thomas, a former solicitor general for the state of Texas. And that started it all. And so ended up uh, that paved the way for the Texas Heartbeat Act. But that ordinance in Wascom went through several revisions until we got it where we wanted it to be. And when we handed that ordinance to the city of Wascom, it also came along with it a letter from my attorney saying that if any lawsuit were to take place against the city of Wascom, that he would represent the city at no cost to city and taxpayers. And that satisfied my concern of the city uh, getting sued to a, a you know sued into oblivion. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that if they were sued, that they had legal representation and that we could win any battle that came forward. Mm-hmm. And that- so, as a result, we ended up seeing 67 cities now that have passed the ordinance in two counties. The largest of those being Lubbock, Texas, which June 1st of 2021 was when that ordinance went into effect and shut down abortion services at the Planned Parenthood there in Lubbock, Texas. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful news. Now, I would imagine each city has uh, different regulations, laws. Uh, what, uh, what, what is the process for you to uh, try to get a city to become a, an abortion-free city? and not allowing abortions to happen in that city or town. Is there a a process? Absolutely. 
Uh, we always encourage people to sign an online petition, and that's at the Sanctuary Cities for the Unborn website, www.sanctuarycitiesfortheunborn.com. And so we see all across America interest being shown in particular areas. And we, there's a lot of cities in America. There are about 20,000 cities out there. And the majority of these cities are 5,000 and less. Uh, some are, of course, much, much larger than that. Uh, but we're very strategic about where we go. Uh, we don't go to a place where there's not a lot of interest. We go where there is a lot of interest, a lot of community support. And we usually hold a meeting at a church, an interest meeting. Sometimes we do it at a bingo hall or a community center or Republican Party headquarters. A lot of times, though, it's the churches. And we really work on getting the church mobilized, that area, the church engaged in, in the issue. And we look at a, a whole host of, of factors. If they do not have a pregnancy resource center, we try to connect them with a pregnancy resource center. Sometimes in this process, a pregnancy resource center has been started mm -hmm. just because someone saw a need and decided to meet that need. But the places that we are working on now are places like Greenville County, South Carolina and Pickens, South Carolina, hmm. Quincy, Illinois, Wright City, Missouri, Gallup, New Mexico, Artesia, New Mexico. Uh, also, we're working on Snowflake, Arizona. So, all the United States, these are cities that what city in Arizona? In those communities it? have reached out. Uh, Snowflake, Arizona. There's a, there's a lot of interest there in that that oh, city, wow. and so we're we're looking forward to to moving forward in, in all these places. Sometimes this process is really fast. Sometimes it takes a while, but we're in it for the long haul, and uh, we're very careful in doing this. We make sure that every city has legal representation when moving forward, and this is something that it doesn't matter what state it is and we believe that there's a way forward in every single state so i can't wait to uh, see sanctuary cities the unborn in california and new york wow. and uh, everywhere well uh you, you've uh, when did you first uh, what year did you have the first uh first success and then you're up to 67 now uh, what have you grown it each year, or does it depend? Like you had ten one year and fifteen the next, or how does that uh, worked out for you? Well, every year we have seen some type of increase. The first year, this started in 2019. The first year we only saw uh, seven cities. We got started June 11th, 2019. And we saw seven cities that year. Uh, the next year, we saw a little bit more. Of course, we were hit with uh, the COVID uh, mm. situation. And uh, so that slowed things down in city governments. There's so many that were doing Zoom calls. We had to, to adapt a little and, and pivot to places that were not as shut down. Mm -hmm. uh, but then eventually, of course, we... Uh, 
uh, we saw you know the next years uh, more and more and this last year was actually the first year that we didn't see the number of cities increase and we had more cities the year before uh, pass the ordinance but what we did see is we saw the if we added up all the population of those cities we're dealing with larger cities and mm -hmm. the population of course far exceeded uh, all of the the years prior and we are on track to to meet those same goals this year of having more people affected by these ordinances this year than even last year, which was a massive year for us. Mm -hmm. Do do are people um, turning to you and saying, Mark Lee Dixon, will you come into my city or town? Do they call you now, or how, how is the outreach there? Well, we do get a lot of people reaching out specifically to myself. Um, I am the the leading expert on local ordinances being passed that prohibit abortion at the city level. There's no one out there that's done more of these than I have. Mm -hmm. And I say that um, knowing that that's a uh, high burden. Uh, you know, I've, I was home one day this year because oh people God. everywhere are wanting to to see this process move forward, but they're acknowledging that they need help. They're acknowledging that uh, they don't want to see their city uh -huh. that they don't have legal representation. Well, now really uh, hard on uh, making the response to every uh, everyone who's interested. Uh-huh. And now, uh, when I saw you back in February, I think it was, uh, or maybe it was more recent than that, uh, New Mexico, you had a lot of success in New Mexico, but then the governor or the legislature tried to wipe you out, <laughs> uh, all the advances you had made there. Could you tell us a little bit about that, and, and, uh, and how does that feed into the Comstock Act? Absolutely. So in New Mexico, we, we've been getting responses from New Mexico of people that have wanted to see their city uh, pass a, a sanctuary city for the unborn ordinance for years. We have seen that. And when we started to go over there, we went over there after Roe v. Wade was overturned, and we saw Holman's Health and made an announcement that they were targeting Southeast New Mexico. So they wanted to set up shop a few miles from the Texas border to get Texas residents. And we said, not on our watch. And so we ended up seeing an ordinance pass in Hobbs, New Mexico, which was actually a place that Holman's Health, an abortion provider was targeting. And when we started moving that ordinance forward, they were already looking at a building and papers had been signed, but they ended up backing out completely. That's which we said, praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. And we saw Holman's health move uh, about five hours to Albuquerque. Uh, they were targeting Clovis, but they abandoned Clovis as well when we started to, to move an ordinance forward there. And so 
we also saw Lee County and Roosevelt County. And then, of course, what happened was the attorney general filed a lawsuit against those cities. Of course, at the same time, there was legislation that had been passed in New Mexico. In uh, this legislation specifically said that cities were prohibited from passing ordinances outlawing abortion. And so two things at once there. Well, what we ended up arguing is that in New Mexico, the ordinances there were not like Texas. We're not passing explicit abortion bans. We're passing what we call, what I call specifically, de facto abortion bans. These ordinances in New Mexico, all they do is require compliance with some federal statutes which were passed in 1873, which had never been repealed by Congress and have never been declared invalid by the courts. And what these federal statutes say, and this is part of the Comstock Act of 1873, these federal statutes prohibit the mailing and the receiving of abortion-inducing drugs and abortion paraphernalia. So anything that could be used for an abortion. And so, of course, under these federal statutes, if they're really enforced, then no abortion facility would be able to be in business. And so, of course, the day that the attorney general sued the four jurisdictions, there was already another jurisdiction on the agenda for that night to pass an ordinance, city of Eunice, and, and they did. And they felt very emboldened that uh, the fact that the attorney general sued the other uh, communities just made them want to pass it even more. And then, of course, we ended up seeing Edgewood, New Mexico, pass an ordinance as well. And it's not stopping. There are many more communities throughout New Mexico that they're not hindered uh, by the threats of lawsuits, that they are ready to stand up and fight for the right to life. Well, that's wonderful news. Now, um, I saw you make a presentation and have some folks uh, uh, out in front of the United States Supreme Court in Washington, D.C., in reference to the Comstock Act. Why there, and what, do you, what are you trying to achieve, and are your opponents trying to stop you or eviscerate the Comstock Act? Well, what, we're, what we decided to do, the city of Eunice felt a little left out when they were not sued by the Attorney General of New Mexico. They were thinking that they would be added to the lawsuit, and they weren't, and they were looking for other ways that they can push back, and they decided to sue the Attorney General and also the Governor of New Mexico, Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham, and they sued, arguing that these federal statutes, that they wanted to see these enforced. And so they were seeking a declaratory judgment regarding the Comstock Act and how uh, these federal statutes trump all state laws and state constitutions, even New Mexico and their uh, HB7, which was a law specifically seeking to prohibit cities from passing 
uh, ordinances restricting abortion. Mm-hmm. Well, that's being moved forward and is in process. There are other communities that are wanting to to go after uh, the attorney general and the governor as well in, in filing uh, similar suits. And this is a battle that's going through the courts right now. Uh, we do expect this issue to eventually uh, be discussed, the Comstock Act to be discussed before the Supreme Court of the United States of America. And that is why the mayor and a city councilwoman in Eunice, along with their senator, Senator David Gygos, who lives in Eunice, they decided to do their press conference announcing their lawsuit at the Supreme Court of the United States in Washington, D.C., to send a loud message that this is where this discussion eventually is going to end up. And that sent a pretty loud message throughout all of New Mexico that we were extremely serious about this fight. For so long, Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham has had the microphone and she has declared, uh, prophesied even, that that New Mexico is a pro-abortion state. And the fact that these cities have risen up and taken back the microphone has allowed America to see that New Mexico really is pro-life. And if we just all stand up in New Mexico, then we can see uh, a New Mexico that's just as strong in the pro-life battle as the state of Texas. Hmm. Wow, that'd be something. That really... Now, uh, the Comstock Act, uh, you're saying that you, the Comstock Act says you cannot bring drugs in, mail them into the state or mail them out of the state. Is that it? Or the Comstock Act? Well, could you just well, clarify that again? So, absolutely. So the Comstock Act prohibits the mailing and receiving of abortion-inducing drugs and abortion paraphernalia. And so that... That is in the mail, but also any kind of carrier service, that's prohibited. So right now, and this is the law of the United States of America, and right now every single abortion facility is in violation of these federal statutes. Now, technically, under a new president, under this president if he wanted to, but any president could start enforcing these federal statutes. We know the Biden administration's not going to do that. We know the Biden administration has taken a narrow reading of these federal statutes. But a future president could enforce these federal statutes. Uh-huh. And if he were to enforce these federal statutes, it could shut down every single abortion facility and abortion organization in America. Wow, that's really something. Well, gosh, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show today and, uh, and telling us what um, what may happen. Just one final question, and that has to do with the Mifeprex. Mifeprex, uh, it may it may go the way of the dinosaur, um, but right now Mifeprex is mailed in from outside the United States for people to you know mail order abortions. Will it stop Mifeprex? Do you think? Absolutely. You know, any drug that is used for an abortion, it can stop. Mm -hmm. And so this is something that, you know, people have been begging our 
Republican uh, potential nominees for uh, for president to support a federal abortion ban. And, and I'm all supportive of the idea of encouraging uh, those who are running for office to support a federal abortion ban. But the way that I see it, we have a de facto federal abortion ban that's already on the books. And wow. it's just going to be important. If this 18 U.S.C., 1461 and 1462, which is the these these laws in question, if they were enforced by a future president, we could shut down the abortion industry overnight. Well, that's wonderful. And that'd be a glorious thing. That is really in California, in Hawaii, Alaska, uh, every single state. And even Massachusetts. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Mark Lee Dixon, thank you so much for coming on the show and, and uh, telling us about the wonderful uh, accomplishments you've had thus far, and hopefully you'll have many more uh, in the future. And folks, we hope well, you found today's show to be unique, informative, content-rich, truthful, and thought-provoking. Thanks for watching and listening. My name is Brendan O'Connell, your friend for life. The preceding commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass., 02119. Attention WBCA LP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.